Hello and welcome back to the Woman to Woman podcast. I really hope that you're well and I also really hope you enjoyed the first episode of my podcast where I spoke to my friend Jaquetta all about the passing of her mother. In today's episode, we're going to focus on career and dream chasing, two things that I am very fond of. And I'm speaking with someone who I'm equally as fond of. Her name is Robin Richford and she started her journey as a dancer. She is now a very successful presenter who covered on the BBC Radio 1 Christmas shows as well as working on ITV's Scrambled. I first met Robin about three or four years ago now. We knew each other through social media, as you do, and then we met on set at Ravensbourne University in Greenwich. We spent about two or three days together constantly, not only on set, but also going for Mexican food and going for cocktails and what have you in our break times. And we really got on super well straight away. I've got so much respect for Robin. She is the most ambitious person I have ever met. She is so determined, she is so strong and she is so supportive all at the same time. Not only do I admire her in a career sense, but I also admire her as a friend because she's just so brilliant and wonderful and she will always be there for you. She is a ball of Scottish energy and you're gonna love her. You're listening to the Woman to Woman podcast and this is Robin Richford's story. Ah, my God. <laughs> Anyhow, how's, um, how's your mood been? I know you've been a little bit down the dumps because of this lockdown. Yeah, weirdly, this lockdown, I think, has hit me more than any other lockdown. Um, I don't know if it's just because it's winter, it's now a new year. Um, yeah, I don't know, but actually luckily for me it kind of only lasted about a week and then I was kind of like okay I'm kind of back to normal now um, or or new normal I do I do tend to I am quite lucky I am lucky but yeah I do tend to I I have all the feels and then I'm like okay that's it (laughs) I don't think you're alone with uh, this lockdown being more of a struggle because I think the first one we had no idea what it was no the second one was like not really one no I know it just feels like oh really again so I can I think, yeah, yeah, a lot of people are feeling it this time. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling it a bit more. I think it's also like, um, I think it's been nearly like a year. And like when you hear that lockdown might last till like March, you're like, oh my gosh, that'll be a year. And I think like psychologically, that's quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I'm missing out on my 20s. <laughs> oh, <babe. laughs> I could have met the man of my dreams this year. But no, all I've seen is my dad. Oh, hon, you're missing out on your prime right now. What I mean, I could be getting all the lads. Bloody hell. I'm over the hill, so it's all right for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's all downhill for you now, mate. Yeah, that's it. But excited, you're moving house. That's exciting. I am moving house, yes, in two days. I can't wait. I'm literally surrounded by, like, kettles and footstools, sofas right now. Honestly, if you could see my room, it's upside down. But You're going. Your other housemates as well, or just you and Mark? Just me and Mark, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I know. I know it's so exciting. In fact, I was talking to my agent today and I was like, I've got to go. I've got to pick up my um, kettle. <laughs> and he was like, all right. I was like, I'm moving house on Thursday. And he was like, oh, like, are you moving in with just Mark? I was like, yeah. He's like, very serious. I was like, all right. <laughs> You're such an adult. 
I know who am I? Firstly, um, what, what yeah. kettle is it? Is it a fancy kettle? It, well, it's a cream kettle. I mean, that's as, that's as kind of fancy as it gets. Little Breville uh, number. Oh, love it. <laughs> I don't even know if you call it that. Is it reveal? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Embarrassing. They won't hide from what's over now. They'll be like, "Is that wrong?" That's it. That's it. There goes my brand deal. <laughs> You're gonna miss the other housemates, though, aren't you? Yeah, 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 I know. And I think it's just nice as well, like, especially with lockdown and stuff, to just have more people around. Like, so yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to having my own little office. I'm going to have a little recording studio office. So, buzzing for that. That'll be good. Yeah. Oh, I love that. How it is. Everything from home. We need it now. (sighs) No, no. I'm thinking about when I move. I'm like, right, realistically, what can you afford? I would like a (laughs) chair so I can have a studio because if it carries on, I don't know. Anyway, it's not even worth thinking about right now, is it? it is what it I know. Is. I know, darling. Is. So I've obviously got you here today on the Woman to Woman podcast um, because this is where incredible women who have achieved something or who have been through something quite traumatic in their lives, we come together and we have a little chat about it because we like talking. <laughs> we <laughs> <Centered>. do. <laughs> um, so this, this kind of topic for this podcast for this episode is about dream chasing, which is something I know me and you or you and I are very very fond of that's what we kind of describe ourselves as isn't it yeah yeah for sure and I think it's one of them things that just never ends you know what I mean so I think it's always good to kind of recalibrate and kind of look at like what is the process and especially if people are thinking about it and they're thinking about taking a leap or anything like that it's always kind of good to kind of hear from people that are doing it I guess yeah yeah no I think so and I must say that out of a lot of people I've met not that I'm like I don't know what I don't know what I was saying right there but hey um (laughs) (laughs) you got the giggles edit um no what I was gonna say is I've met a lot of people and you are one who sticks out to me as being really ambitious and driven and that's one of the things that I love about you that's one of the reasons I like calling you a friend because you're on a good wavelength and you're always a positive energy as well, which is wonderful. Um, So let's jump into this by starting right at the beginning of our friendship. So do you remember when we first met? I do, yes, I do. We were recording a student um, pop and lock, it was called. It was like a a talent show for students and we were like presenting it together. (laughs) It was good though, wasn't it? It was good. It was good. It was such a good show. Like, I mean, shame to say, better than some of the professional stuff I've done. <laughs> so we both done a lot of work at Ravensbourne University, which is in Greenwich. Um, I don't know about you, Robin, but for me personally, I felt it was a good way to one, learn my own skills and kind of um, improve on them and keep that kind of practice going. But also you're working with people there at the university who are going to be making the decisions when they're older so it, it's good to make these connections is that kind of what you thought as well about working with that university yeah 100% and also confidence building I think was such a big part of it um because I think we always sometimes well not always but in our line we always think of confidence in front of the camera but it's also to do with like confidence off the camera and like meeting people and mingling and having the confidence to be like oh give me a shout if you need anyone um and I think that there's a really good like um university for that 
to be honest you get obviously the confidence in front of the camera which is great as well you build that up I remember doing a live stream for them and being absolutely terrified <laughs> um which is funny now isn't it when you think about it but yeah I think that it's a really good platform for that you mentioned the word mingling there how important do you think that is I think it's vital to be honest I oh, think it's vital it's vital um I definitely couldn't be where I am without without the help of other people around me or you know the network around me don't get me wrong you are the driving force and you'll get there eventually but I think that it's just it's just more enjoyable if you've got people along with you um and it's also opens a lot more doors than like some doors that you didn't even really think about sometimes open just because of someone you've met so I think it is vital definitely so let's take a look now at your early early life your childhood so tell us about your childhood where did you grow up what was it like was it happy tell us all yeah I've actually been really lucky with my childhood so I come from a little town just outside of Glasgow so it's like in the hills there's not a lot going on there there's enough like it's a big enough town but it's not there's not loads going on there so I had a really happy childhood I was quite um I was very family orientated my mum and dad come from a very working class um Glasgow and I love that about them because they kind of worked really hard so then I was brought up in a bit more of a kind of it's still working class but it was just we were a bit more comfortable than obviously my mum and dad were um and I think because of that I think work ethic was just such a big part of who we were because I just watched my dad do that from such a young age and he and my mom created this life for themselves that just a lot of people couldn't have done um so I think when I was growing up it was just all about yeah we're really family orientated I've got a brother my brother's four years younger than me and growing up we were like best friends I laugh because it got to an age where it was like you can't hang out with me anymore and he was like what (laughs) um so but my brother's complete opposite to me he's got two degrees now he's got a master's in renewable energy and another degree in physics um so he's he was always a quiet growing up so I spoke for him (laughs) as I'm sure you can imagine (laughs) no you talk I can't believe that (laughs) I know right so up to like the age of five like people used to like take your coat off Kyle or but he's not he's not uh, he's not too hot he'll just leave it on and he'd look at me and They'd be like, he can speak for himself. And they'd go, Kyle, would you like to take your coat off? He'd be like, no. (laughs) Um, I was always right. (laughs) Of course you're always right. You're a woman. There you go. (laughs) What does your um, mum and dad, what do they do as jobs? Um, So my dad owns a landscaping company. Um, Yeah, so they basically build like decking and actually during the first lockdown, lots of pubs they built lots of pubs and back gardens in Glasgow <laughs> um <laughs> I know very popular and my mum's a nurse so she works in the spinal unit and uh, a hospital in Glasgow so yeah have you been worrying about her because of all this covid stuff yeah yeah it's a lot but mum said uh, mum's the backbone of our family so she's nothing's ever wrong with her ever <laughs> um she's like yeah fine I'm fine I'm fine but yeah it, it is a lot I guess going in and out of the hospitals and at the minute yeah for sure but she loves her job my mum's like yeah she's I'm not saying I'm not kind but she's next level like <laughs> mum would yeah I've always like I can do that I'm too selfish um but yeah she's she's like proper 
proper saint, my mother. So you said how you were talkative at a young age. You used to speak for your brother. Um, were you always driven? Yeah, I was actually. Do you remember? Yeah, it's funny. Examples. Yeah, well, do you know what it is? I didn't actually know this until probably about six months ago. I've kind of been looking back, I guess, got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I was always driven because even from a really young age, you know, if whatever I was doing, it's like I wanted to, I wanted to do it really like, like I really wanted to be the best at it or even just do my best. Um, I was weirdly competitive, but not in a, they, they basically say there's two types of competitiveness, which again, I've just learned. Like one is there's someone's really competitive and wants to win. And the other is someone's really competitive and wants to beat the others. And both are just as valid as each other. It's just what one motivates you. And I think for me, it was just like winning was the motivation. It wasn't really beating others, um, which is actually quite useful sometimes if you have the other one. Do you know what I mean? It kind of pushes you further, I think. Um, but yeah, I was growing up totally into sports, was always running races at the weekend, um, running cross country. I was on the Scottish skills team for the relay. Wow. Um, yeah, I was very sporty, very, very sporty. I was like house captain which is a weird thing from a young age I was like I want to be house captain you know we have houses and uh we're like split the school into four um so I guess in a way I was always driven like I always wanted to be house captain I wasn't didn't want to be vice vice wasn't for me I wanted to be the house you know like and yep. to be honest when you think about it I don't really know why I wanted to do it all I had to do was organize kids to go to swimming and they didn't even want to go do you know what I mean it was a status thing it was it was I suppose yeah it was and I used to um we had these boards I'll never forget in my primary school we had like boards and had the color of your house and I used to like make little quizzes for people to do like put them up on the board and it was like everyone from camp they could go there and play the quizzes and I'm like oh who's done the quiz like totally crap stuff but <laughs> I loved it what house were you I was Campsey so Campsey is basically the hills just behind our house so we had Campsey Codder which is like an area just next to the village um Kelvin and Lennox so there was like the four houses and I was Campsey it was the red the red house <laughs> I see I was blue house I was blue where are you where are you we didn't have fancy names like you did though it was just you're blue <laughs> so you're getting you're in the blue team <laughs> So young Robin, she wanted to be the best that she could be. She wanted to yeah. be uh, the president of the school, not the vice president, <laughs> if you like. But what did yeah. you, did you see yourself as an older version of yourself? Did you have a career in mind from a young age? Like now some of these kids are like, oh yeah, I want to be a vet. Did you have that? Um, I had a weird kind of ambition. I kind of always wanted to be in entertainment. But I just didn't know where. Like I was just, I I used to, like we have a joke like with my neighbors who are like my auntie and uncle now they used to say that I used to walk down the road as if I was famous like <laughs> so it's like I used to walk down the road with like my head held high and was like you know strutting my stuff walking with my school bag like thinking I was famous um but yeah I think I just always wanted a life in entertainment and I guess in the spotlight but I, I wanted to be a pop star originally but I feel like every kid wants to be a pop star and then I was like nah I can't say <laughs> that's not gonna work I was like that's not gonna work I'm not gonna be the next Britney Spears sadly um and then or maybe that's a good thing who knows but then I went into dancing after that so yeah I guess I kind of did but indirectly like I never 
I never really sat down and thought about it but and then I ended up like applying for universities to go and do more academic stuff so yeah I think I did but it was like this weird kind of deep down belief I didn't really know what direction it was going to take me in but I just kind of knew that was where I was kind of heading this might be a weird question based on the fact that you weren't set in stone but you mentioned there how when you were younger you'd walk down the street acting like you were famous (laughs) what do you think appealed to you at a young age about being famous um I think well one I was naive because now I realize that fame's a whole different thing (laughs) but uh, it's a whole different beast actually working in entertainment's a bit nicer than fame in a lot of ways um yeah I think I I think every kid I guess that does want to be famous I think is looking at like the spotlight you're looking at validation aren't you and you're looking at I also had this weird thing where I was from this small town and I really wanted to be like the one that left the small town like do you know what I mean so I think that was part of it and I knew that that was kind of like a way out and that was kind of like a ticket nothing wrong with my small town I had a lovely time and every time I go home I love it but I just always felt like I didn't belong like I just didn't see myself growing up there and having kids there and marrying someone I met at school like I just didn't see that life for me um I don't ever really know why so I don't know what what was kind of the appeal of like in quotes fame mm-hmm. but I think it was more that it was like an opportunity and it was a ticket out and it was yeah it was like the shiny lights isn't it it's like shiny lights and excitement I guess did a lot of people leave your hometown no not loads um probably more than I think when I was younger I realized so I think in my head I created this stigma thinking no one leaves <laughs> it's like the gates are around it or something I don't know what I created in my brain but it's absolutely not true like there are definitely a lot of people that leave um but there are a lot of people that stay or at least stay in the vicinity as in like the different towns round about and also as well like it's a really nice place to live so like it makes sense do you know what I mean like a lot of people have left for uni and then they come back you know to live there because it is nice it's you know 20 minutes from Glasgow so you got the city um and also as well it's like good schools like you can go to the good unis and all of that sort of stuff so it it, it makes sense but for me it just it wasn't the right fit I don't think um you touched on a little bit about dancing um I know that that is a big part of kind of who you were at one point you were you were a dancer you were really good at dancing um yeah through that journey from when it started to when it came to an end Unless yeah. you dance in secret that I don't know about. <laughs> Only in the shower. <laughs> and even at that, I'm like, don't slip. <laughs> don't slip over. Um, so it started when I was, I actually started really late in the dance world. It's not going to sound late, but it is late. So I started dancing between like 11 or 12. Um, but most people start when they're like four. So that is quite late. Uh, so the reason I started was because all my friends went to dancing and they always had. And we didn't have as much money like in my earlier years so like we just didn't have like have the money for extracurricular stuff and all of that and but when I kind of got to 11 or 12 um we kind of did have more money and I was like can I please go to dancing can I please go to dancing and um, my mom was like oh I don't really know and I was like please 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 I really want to go I really want to go all my friends going to my friends were all going to like little church um halls and there was like little local dance skills and stuff and my mom's a little bit like me and I didn't really realize it at the time but she was like well if you're gonna do it we have to get you to a good one and I was like okay 
I know right I was only just starting but anyway she's like yeah so if you're gonna do it I want to take you to a good one and I was like cool so she does all her research and she finds one in like the next town along in a place called Bishop Briggs and it's called um at the time it wasn't actually called Dan Shuke but it was called Jackie Wilson's and it had like a really good reputation and all of that um so she takes me along there I'm so excited. I'm in my shorts and t-shirt. I'm buzzing, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to dancing. So I get in and I do my first class and she puts me in at my age group that obviously, because even though I'd never danced before, she's like, yeah, and you go, cool. So I went in and I came out and I cried my eyes out all night. And I was like, it was horrific. I'm so bad. I'm never doing it again. I am not, I'm never going back uh it's horrible the girls hate me no one said hi um and then my mum was like no she's like once you start something you have to see it through and I was like no I'm not going I'm terrified and so she basically made a bet with me don't know if you're supposed to do that with your children at 11 but she did (laughs) so she was like um if you do six weeks of dancing then you can have anything you want like you can pick a day out if, so you can pick a day out and you can we can do whatever you want as long as you do six weeks of this dance class and I was like oh my gosh I really don't want to and then the teacher called up my mom and just said listen she's never danced before it's too much to have her in her actual age group we're gonna have to put her down but they didn't put me down one class <laughs> they put me down like three classes so I was like 11 or 12 starting to like hit puberty and I was in these classes with these like eight-year-olds and I was like towering above them and I'm only small anyway but I was like a head above them and I realized now that then I went and I did the six weeks that mum said and I fell in love with it and I loved it even though I wasn't in with people of my own age I still loved it um and I was just happy to be like I think my first show I was like a crocodile in my tap dance like (laughs) (laughs) at like 12 like that is so uncool at 12 but I kind of didn't care my mom's like you go on there and you'd be the best crocodile they've ever seen (laughs) so when I think about it now I'm like what like how did I do that I don't know and like they'd be getting you changed and I was kind of like felt all grown up because I started like wearing bras and stuff and the mums weren't used to that because they're all eight-year-olds so they were just like stripping me down and I was like no what's happening um so yeah I did that and then I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me weirdly because it made me work so hard so the teacher basically said to me like you can't be in the show because you've started too late in the year my mom's a bit like me she's very ad hoc she goes with the flow so mum wouldn't have waited so she didn't wait till like the beginning of the term to like enroll me she just was like enroll her now <laughs> and she goes you know so because of that they were like there's a show coming up you're not going to be ready da, da, da. and my mom was like you're going to be ready for that show so she was like you know and I think that that really like installed in me that if you want something you really just have to work for it from a really young age and so I just worked and I worked and then I got moved up one group then I got removed up another one and then within it did take me like four years but but within like four years I then was at my age level um and then because I was so used to working at that um pace and that kind of like intensity I was coming home every night and I was like stretching every night and I was practicing and I was there when I actually came to my age group before without me even really realizing it I kind of like overtaken the girls I'd always like aspired to be as good as because I just I just kept going um and so then I from there I was like oh I like the stance and stuff like this is kind of it it's a lot being a crocodile yeah I say crocodile's the way forward mate (laughs) um 
yeah so I was like I'll relate this stuff and I came home and I said to my mum I'd applied to universities to do um business enterprise and I'd sent off some stuff to do physics as well physics was kind wow. of my thing I know I love did you, did you do a levels I don't know if there's a Scottish yeah right. yeah Scottish equivalent's higher so I did I did physics at a level and maths and yeah I got like how many I got like three years and two B's I was very academic so you're pretty like your brother and you have different qualities but in terms of the kind of mental stuff mm. quite similar yeah I don't know if you'd agree now though with his master's <laughs> he's gonna listen to this and be raging he's gonna be like are you joking me she has a degree in like musical theater <laughs> but yeah like growing up we did but I think again it was it, it was more work ethic than anything like my mom and dad were very hard on me I wasn't allowed to come home without any A's like that was it if you don't come home without any if you come home without any you better have a good explanation like mm-hmm. it was it was very much like that but it, for me that really drove me because my mom was like why can't you get any I don't understand and I was like it's so hard no I don't understand they've given you the material you just have to learn it like so I think that was very much like how my life was my mum weirdly my mum wasn't that like because she became a nurse later in life and she wasn't that educated in kind of like education so to speak so she didn't understand how hard it could be so she in a weird way her being so naive really helped because she was just like don't I don't get it I don't get how you can't do it she's giving you the information just learn it and just recite it like black and white in terms of it's there yeah do it yeah there's just no gray no gray area. Let's touch on um, your parents for a moment because they're kind of um, your mum's advice of saying like, look, when you start something, you see it through. I think that really stuck with me because that's a really like key bit of a key tip really for, for life, isn't it? Um, a lot of people yeah. really have that resilience. Um, but some things, I, I mean, were they too hard on you? I don't know. But would you want to take on the kind of way they treated you as parents with your own children if you have them in the future? A hundred percent. Because I think that my mom and dad always came from a place of like love and compassion. Yeah. And so like, I think that's the difference. I think that looking at the top line, like, because my friends just like, whoa, like your mom was always like, you know, you've got to come home with an A, but she wasn't like, you've got to come home with an A, good luck. She was like, you've got to come home with an A, let's sit down and she spent hours with me going, okay, so how hard is this subject? I'm like, mom, I find this subject really hard. Okay, so we're going to dedicate 50 hours to this subject. How hard is this subject? Well, that's not as hard for me. Okay, that only needs 30 hours. And she'd sit down and she'd like have all the hours that I needed. And then she would have my months planned out for me. And then she'd say, okay, what I need you to do is I need you to allocate those hours in and around your dancing. Cause I danced like five nights a week when I was doing my A-levels. Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite intense actually. And um, and also my standard grades as well, which is what do you call them? O levels? No. Standard grades. Yeah. What's your one before A levels? GCSEs, that's the one. So yeah, I did it when I was doing them as well. And so she was like, allocate all of the hours you need for your studies around your dancing. And she kind of installed in me that you can't fail. Like whether that's true or not, it worked for me. She was like, you can't fail. If you do all of this, you do all of these hours that you've allocated to yourself, you don't let yourself down, then you will get an A because there's no way you can't. Like, and so I think that, yes, I would bring my kids up the same because I think that mom and dad 
don't want to be like I've done a good job because I'm obviously the product of it but like I grew up in a household that like was just full of love and but failure wasn't really an option um but then if you did fail weirdly it was okay but I wasn't really kind of I don't know switched on enough I suppose to work it out that actually she'll be all right if I fail do you know what I mean yeah I get what you mean it's not like you're gonna come home with a bad I mean to be fair your mum probably just wanted you to do the best that you could do she so did, if, she, and I think if it, she saw that you'd done the best you could do and didn't get an A, she would still have the same amount of respect and admiration. A hundred percent. And that's why when I came home with three A's and two B's, you know, they were both crying with absolute joy. And my dad was like, oh my God, I didn't think you'd actually do it. <laughs> so like, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Uh, he was like, I just kept driving home. Like dad drove home from work that day. I was like, I've got the envelope. Um, and my dad was just thinking, oh, when I was driving, you know, the best case scenario we're getting out of this is three A's and two B's and that would be unbelievable, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, so when I got it, they were like, oh my God. So but I think it comes again, like from that working class background, my mum knows how hard it is when you're not educated. She knows how hard it is to, to earn money for a family on a low skilled job. She knows how hard life can be. And she's like, she's worked hard to make sure I didn't have that upbringing and that's why she was like no you have to make the most of this opportunity because she didn't have those opportunities like so yeah I think that yeah I think that's where it comes from I think where she's like go for it (laughs) do it it. Uh, we touched again earlier on on the fact that well something you said that really stuck out for me was when you said you were from a small town and you saw entertainment as kind of a ticket out so you went to London I believe with your dancing um what was that like terrifying (laughs) okay yeah it was it was such a long journey to get to London um are you speaking in terms of the journey like philosophically or are you talking about (laughs) the duration of the car journey (laughs) (laughs) I mean I was philosophically thinking of it but I mean the car journey is long that is so long I hate that journey (laughs) Like 10 hours on a good day, honestly, oh so long. Goodness. But yeah, like philosophically, it was it, it was long. Like I came home and because I had been dead academic, I was like, I want to go to dance college. My mom was like, eh, no. <laughs> and I was like, I think because she felt like, well, because of the college I'd chosen. So I'd chosen like a one in Edinburgh mm-hmm. because I'd missed all the London ones. And she, and I'd picked a, a college in Edinburgh and it was like an NC I think which is like a college qualification that's not like like widely recognized so to speak and I think because of that she was like no you're not doing it and that was the first time ever I would probably say that I stood up quite respectfully obviously there was a bit of back and forth but I was quite respectful and just said no actually I'm doing this this is what I'm doing and I know this is the right call for me and um we'd gone through so much as a family at that time with my dad because he'd lost his business and things that I kind of found my voice and was like no I'm doing this like I know this is the right choice for me and life's too short and I'm doing it so we kind of came to sorry to interrupt you I bet that was frustrating for your mum but I bet she also felt a huge amount of like pride in the fact that yeah yeah, and it's funny because like now I actually spoke to her about it not long ago and she's like I don't even remember that and I'm like how did you not remember like you were like no you're not going um, but I think as well, she knows me. My mum knows how to set a fire in me. And my mum knows how to um, 
how I will want to prove her wrong like she knows me so I think who knows if it was a tactic or not I'm not sure but I was like <laughs> I'm going to Edinburgh I'm doing it and I had no money in my pocket and I had to pay for everything myself because we had zero money at that point we'd pretty much lost most things financially um and so I was like I'm doing it I'm doing it on my own and we came to an agreement that if I deferred my entry to university then I could go to Edinburgh for a year how did you you had no money in your pocket how did you make money I worked in a suit store <laughs> and I used to work oh. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I worked in a suit store and I used to sell shirts and ties to the men of Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was like a weird job. It was a store as in like, it was just a shop, but you weren't just a sales assistant. You were like actually selling. So for instance, if you, if I, if I, um, if you if I served you you would go with your shirt to the till and you would give my number so all my sales were like calculated um and so at the end of the day you would get like a top sales for the day and you would get a bonus and so I had worked out that I needed to get the weekend bonus which was for weekend staff Saturday and Sunday to be able to afford to go to college so I used to do that every Saturday and Sunday and that yeah that's how I that's how I earned my money to go that also mean that you were the best salesperson if you done that yeah yeah so that there's also um robin being president not vice again <laughs> <laughs> yeah but honestly nothing and i say it all the time nothing lights a fire under your ass like having to pay your rent <laughs> so let me tell you i sold all the ties i think you need four sir you need four ties <laughs> you wanted every single color of the rainbow night you need- <laughs> would you like a pair of shoes to go with that <laughs> you're good you're good at this um so that was in Edinburgh and then you went then you went to London from there straight away how did that work yes so when I was in Edinburgh I knew I needed to get my ballet up because my ballet just wasn't strong enough I'm not a very technical dancer I'm more of a performer and I knew that I needed Edinburgh to get me there um so I basically went to Edinburgh planned on only being there for a year Mm -hmm. and then I auditioned for London schools when I was in Edinburgh um and we kind of had a deal that if I didn't get into London school I would have to go to university in Glasgow and do the business enterprise course again a deal with your mum that was a deal with my mum yeah <laughs> we like we like Ben go <laughs> <laughs> to the Grand National you were better on everything I know right so yeah I went and I auditioned for London schools um again money was very very tight in fact I've got a hilarious story about staying over in a brothel that might be one for another time no you need to tell us that now (laughs) so I went down down for um like I could only pick a few skills to audition for because I didn't have the money to keep coming up and down to London so I had to pick the ones that I wanted to do and um so I picked one one skill that I wanted to go to and then the second round for school that I had auditioned for a few weeks before was like the day after so I was like oh okay great we can go down and I can save money because we can just stay the night in London and my mom was like yep no worries and again mom and dad had no money to help me so if I wanted mom to go I had to pay for mom to come with me with your suit shop money with, yeah with my suit shop money money yeah I know right um so I was like oh mum I found this hotel it's in King's Cross now this was probably well I'm out of college what it was probably about 10 years ago right so King's Cross was a very different place back then it was like still very just on the edge of still being the red light district of London mm. and 
that's where the school was the school was in king's cross and it wasn't like the way it is now it's stunning now but it wasn't like that and so they had um the hotel where they are and i was like mom i booked this hotel in king's cross it's like seconds to walk to the college like this is amazing and um she was like okay okay darling is it good i was like yeah it's nice showed her picture online she's like oh my god how much you get it for and i was like you'll never believe it mom I got it for 40 quid and she was like oh my god that's amazing and um two of my best friends at the time were also auditioning and so I booked it for all four of us so I mean mum shared <laughs> and then them two were sharing so we turn up and like I say mum's dead streetwise because of like where she comes from and everything so she's looking around she's thinking uh-uh <laughs> This is not good. You're thinking, oh, mum, I want to touch all these walls. Look at this yeah. lovely wallpaper with the white splodges. That looks gorgeous, mum. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then, so we get in, and not even that, but, like, there's not curtains on the... There's no curtains, and there's, like, um, they've pinned up... People have pinned up, like, tea towels for curtains. There was not a bed. It was just a mattress on the floor. And then... But we got there so late because we come from the other college, which was in Essex. We got there so late. Mum was like, we can't, there's nowhere else we can go. And I don't have the money to take us anywhere else. So my mum was like, oh my gosh, bless her. So she wrapped me up in a blanket we'd brought for traveling because she was terrified I was going to get bed bugs. <laughs> and bless her. I know she let me sleep and she just sat up all night hugging me. And oh. I know she stayed awake for because obviously my friends were next door and she was terrified something was going to happen. Uh, but it was funny. It's a funny story. And she had to, so basically the bathroom was like locked from the outside and there was no shower. And we went downstairs, we're like, is there a bathroom? Like we need to shower. And the guy was like, no shower here. Like, <laughs> so then we like managed to pick open the, the, the pick open the bath. <laughs> what did you use to pick the bathroom? Yeah, we used, uh, we used a Kirby, like a hair a hairpin to like pick open the bathroom, which was a shared bathroom, by the way. I want to meet so, your mum. Honestly, right? So it's a shared bathroom between all these rooms. So we open it up, we get inside and we, it's soaking, so it's flooded. The whole floor is flooded, which is obviously why they've locked it. And there's a door at the end of the bathroom that's just not got a door on it. So it's just a doorway and it's looking out onto King's Cross. <laughs> right and so mum's like you're gonna have to shower babe so I'm like right so mum stands me in the bath and it's like a garden hose like I'm not even exaggerating so it's like a garden hose on this bath and mum is like literally hosing me down as I stand there. <laughs> 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 it is the funniest thing that's ever happened and then I got all changed and I got ready and we went we went and I went into the second round and I'll never forget mum looking at me and going, Robin, you better jump higher than you've ever jumped in your entire life. <laughs> was it a shared toilet as well? That was yeah. the bathroom? The only bathroom, yeah. It was so, there was one... so if you needed the toilet, you had to just not go? No, there was like one little toilet, but there wasn't like a shower. But again, that was the one toilet was shared among the whole place. I People didn't so... sleep there, that's the point. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry, I'm misunderstanding. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've never been to one. Oh. I didn't know you. I was talking to an expert. Um, I feel sorry <laughs> for your friends who were next door. Themselves. I, I know, bless them. But mum was like, I'm setting up all night, girls. And you could, act, this is how bad it was. The door, basically the door didn't fit the door frame. So you could see underneath. So mum could see that there was like, so anytime anyone kind of like, she saw foot, foot, uh, feet, sorry, up, like across the door, she'd get up and make sure the girls were okay. But um, yeah, funny. <laughs> 
God, what a story. That is a story, isn't it? And I was like, that's one from a book, you know. And I, I said that to mum. I was like, that's one from my book, you know. She was like, yes. She's like, that's one for the book. Or oh, the woman to woman podcast exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> you had it here first. Oh, my problem. God. But you yeah. got into the school, the one you wanted. I did. I did. And actually, weirdly, the one that I went to, which was the second round after the brothel, was the school I ended up going to. So it was definitely worth it. Um, and well, mum did always joke saying that that's the best I've ever seen you dance because I think I just was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, like I was just like, mom. yeah, what am I put my mum through? I better get in. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't scare you off because you could have you could have not been any of the what none the wiser and thinking that was a hotel in London. That's what London's like. <laughs> and then you would have, yeah. mum, I want to go home. Um, no. You were a little bit wise to that. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about dream chasing in more detail. Yeah. That's obviously why we're here today. Have there been times throughout your career? Obviously, now you are a successful presenter. You're on Scrambled. Kids TV was the goal that I first met you that you wanted to do, and you've achieved that. You've ticked it off. Um, yeah. Have there been times where you thought, I can't do this? Hundreds. Have you got an example? <laughs> or is it just is it too? Um, no, I have loads of examples. I have nothing ever really happens and I so I have this weird thing and I don't know if you feel the same but rejection doesn't really scare me but lack of movement scares me so like for instance if I'm rejected from something I'm, I don't have a moment for instance I know people have got moments with like oh I got rejected from this and you know I was like I'm done I can't do it I've never had that but like lack of anything happening has made me go I, I can't do this I'm really really pushing I remember there was one time in particular when I was just starting out as a presenter I'd just finished being a dancer and I was still living in London but I couldn't afford to live in London and I was working every random job under the sun like I mean I was getting up at like 5am to hand out leaflets at the train station I was like dressing up as like a banana do you know what I mean like I was doing anything that would pay me um, and I went and did this job at the cricket. And so I, I don't know anything about cricket at all. And so I don't really know the clientele. But when I went, I was pouring the, um, I was pouring like the tenant's pints or whatever it was. Uh, but it was just like, I was basically just standing with like a plastic, it was essentially a wheelie bin that they'd stuck like a, like a porter thing from. And you just stood there outside and you just did it. And they were like, it was only one drink that, you, you know, they served and you were just covered in beer. And you were freezing because you were standing there for hours. I don't know if you know cricket, but it can go on for days. So it was like, <laughs> when am I going to finish my shift? And they were like, whenever the, the game's finished, you're like, when could it finish? Four days. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's oh ridiculous. <laughs> That's it. Like, I'm saying I'm a because I can't do it. <laughs> I cannot do it. So I remember doing like, this cricket game went on for, oh, it was like four days or something ridiculous. And every day I was like, please be done. Please be done. Like, I need the money, but please be done. I think I was getting like six quid an hour. And I came home after that and I cried my eyes out. I said, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I was like, I'm completely done. And I packed my bags from London and I went home to Scotland and was like, I just need to recalibrate. I can't do this. This says So that was kind of like the one time I would say. What year was that? Do you remember? That would have been, oh God, now you're testing me. Um, it was very early on, so maybe 2016. Okay. 2016, I think it was. 
um yeah I think so because I'd just finished the ship so yeah it was and I went home and I was like do you know what and I was heartbroken as well I'd just gone through a breakup which didn't help and I was like what am I doing with my life and I just felt like I'd grinded so hard for everything in my life and it just I it hadn't but in my head it had equated to me pulling pints at the cricket um so it was just too much and I kind of that's the one time I was like yeah I'm done I'm gonna go home um and then after that I slept I came back to London and slept on my friend's couch for a month <laughs> I, slept now. I know she was like get I thought you know where Charlotte but yeah she was like get out no she wasn't she wasn't she was great but yeah I think that was probably the one time I was like yeah I'm fully fully can't do this anymore but there's been loads of times like even like you know only just before scrambled I actually said to myself if I don't I know it's really dangerous to do this but it touch all the wood it worked for me I actually said to myself if I don't get onto TV by the time I'm 27 that's it I'm stopping so I'd kind of said that and then I got scrambled three weeks before that mm-hmm. so that was really lucky I don't know if that's the that. universe I don't know if it's the universe living in on the 11th hour as always but um yeah so that that was kind of so even like recently do you know what I mean like that was only what two years ago so it's not yeah even recently scrambled? it feels like it was only yesterday yeah mate I'm on my second series now yeah. Yeah. oh I know we kind of skipped a step so I think we should just do a like, rewind yeah you're um, the boss <laughs> your dance journey <laughs> we didn't think talk about it ending we didn't talk about presenting started um, oh we yes spend, we won't spend too long on this but just give us a quick no. roundup of what happened there uh, so I was in I'd got into obviously the London school was loving it and then on my first year I'd got a job at the Fringe um, which is like a big Edinburgh festival a lot of comedy people go there mm. it's unbelievable you absolutely love it it's like an absolute hub for creativity it's amazing it's proper your vibe um, so we went and I did a show there. It was my first professional job and I got injured and I ended up having a really bad ankle. I'd got fractured in two places and it was just a nightmare. So then in my second... Leg, foot, ankle, arm. Ankle, ankle. So I fractured my ankle tw- like in two places and then I pulled the ligaments in my knee. Um, yeah, I came down from a lift really bad. Yeah, I came down from a lift really bad. It was like, and then stupidly being young, I kept dancing on it. And then, yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, anyway, so I did that. And then in my second year at college, it, you know, it just was like playing havoc all the time because of that. And my mum kind of turned around to me and was like, it's always my mum in it. But she turned around to me. <laughs> Poor woman. Come on, mate. I know. My dad's actually, weirdly, that's where I got all my characteristics from. So I don't, I don't know. But my mum's, <laughs> yeah, my mum's always the one that's like reining me in because me and my dad are a bit crazy. So she's always kind of reining us in. Um, so yeah, she was like, what are you actually going to do if you can't dance? Like, what is the plan B? And I was like, I don't need a plan B. And then she was like, what about presenting? I think you'd be really good at it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. So she basically bought me this presenting course for my birthday as a kind of, you're injured. because you? I was 21. 21 I was, yeah. And um, yeah, she bought me this presenting course and I was like, because I couldn't dance that whole summer. So it was and my birthday's at the end of the summer. So it was a kind of like, you know, something to look forward to. So I did it and I fell in love with the camera. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of these courses as a general rule, but I do think they're good if you haven't quite discovered that's what you want to do. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. So like for me, it was, yeah, for me, it was like a perfect opportunity, a very expensive opportunity, but a perfect opportunity to kind of see if that is something that I want to explore. And I just loved it. And I loved everything about it. And I realized that it was probably where I'd always meant to be. And I just hadn't worked it out yet. Um, So yeah, I was like, yeah, I love it. And then after that, I ran around London with a friend at the time and we made my very first showreel. Um, And so that was amazing. I loved that. And then I went into my... So sorry to interrupt you again, but your first showreel, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. they get like, they start YouTube videos, they go on Mm -hmm. these past insights, Star Now, for example, um, and they meet connections there. Your showreel didn't work like that? Nope. I manufactured mine. Okay. I, me and him sat down and we brainstormed. He said, what kind of, um, he was great. Like his name's Ollie Pike. He actually runs a really successful YouTube business now doing kids content. He's amazing. Um, and I really rate him as a creative as well. He's like, he's just got, yeah, he's just got the brain. Um, and so we sat down and we said, he said, what do you want to do? What can, kind of kids telly do you want to do? Because I'd already said kids is where I belong. I just know what it is. Um, and he was like, right, how what kind you, of content? How did you know? I think because I'd come from, well, one, the first thing anyone says to me is I'm the smiliest person I've ever met. I was definitely smilier back then when I was young because I was just like this excited puppy running around. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's really fitting for kids telly. And I think that for me coming from a kind of theatrical background, it kind of made sense. And also a lot of the people I admire, like Kat Daly is my biggest inspiration on this planet. If I could be anyone, it'd be Kat Daly. So people that I'd really admired in the industry started in kids telly. And I was like, okay, that's the right stepping stone. That's what you do. I just didn't know any better. I didn't know anything, quite frankly. I didn't know anything about anything. Now that you do know better, do you think mm-hmm. that is still the case? I think it's the case for me, but I don't think it's the only way in. Absolutely not. No way. I think there's loads of other avenues because now we've got YouTube, we've got Instagram, we've got platforms that just were never there before. Um, but I was just kind of looking at it very quite linear I guess and just looking at you know the generations before me but they didn't have the opportunities that we have now but I didn't really I wasn't really clicked on enough I guess to work that out I just thought kids telly <laughs> you know the thing is and I can relate to this obviously as well that you don't really know what you're doing when you start out and everyone's journey is different especially at the beginning and you kind of just yeah. you learn as you go don't you and you, you gather Absolutely. information with people and trying different things yeah and I think that's the point and I think that like I know some people go and they study like journalism and stuff like that that's cool too but I do think actually being an entertainment presenter it's not a requirement like you don't need to have studied it and I also think sometimes when you study it you think too much about it and you don't just do it yeah and so I think that about a lot of things in life I think sometimes knowledge isn't knowledge is power in so much so many ways but actually when it comes to something that's got to be really intuitive knowledge isn't necessarily a benefit I think sometimes you can be in your head too much and think too much about it and actually weirdly know too much see when you're naive you just go for it when you don't know how hard it is you just go for it because you don't know any better ignorance bliss it absolutely is (laughs) and that's what I was I was like it can't be that hard I can be on kids (laughs) too yeah yeah. well did I know it was going to take all them years but yeah like yeah and also as well I think see if someone had told me it was going to take all them years I probably wouldn't have started and so that's why sometimes it's nice to 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 kind of have the blinkers on and not know yeah 
I always think that when people ask for advice and things like that, I sometimes am a little bit hesitant because I'm like, if I'm truthful with you right now with everything I know, I'll probably put you off. Like, <laughs> so it's, I don't know, but I wouldn't want to do that. So yeah, it's it's a funny, it's a funny little line. Well, obviously, you know, I've forgotten my question now because I've been too busy gabbing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Um <laughs> Best oh yeah dancing that was it so I went from dancing to presenting and the reason I did it is that's how I did it but then I actually went back to dancing so I danced for a few years professionally first and then I was on my last contract I was doing a world cruise dancing and I was halfway through and I thought you know what if I want to make a go of this I've got to do it so that's when I did it and I was 23 24 okay when I actually officially started and that was yeah when I started my journey. I'm going to ask the question again, but it's not going to have as much impact. Best bits. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some best bits, highlights of the journey. Best bits of the journey. Of brothels up there. Brothels up there. <laughs> um, I think getting scrambled is my ultimate high. I've never felt a feeling of what I would describe as actual euphoria. Like, Were you by I'm, yourself when you got the news? Yeah, I was. Tell I'm us always by myself. I'm all, every time that. I get a job, I am literally alone. It's so depressing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went in for my audition on the Friday and then I spent Saturday and Sunday feeling sick to my stomach. And then on the Monday morning, I got a call from my agent. He said, are you sitting down? And I thought, oh no, this isn't good. I was like, this is really not good. And a lot of was riding on this because this was your, I'm going to give up if I don't get this, right? Yes, it was. And also, weirdly, when I got the audition for Scrambled, I just knew. When I got this audition, when I got the audition, I started to cry. And my boyfriend was like, why are you crying? It's just the audition. And he's an actor, so he gets auditions all the time. So he's really like, what on earth are you doing? Do you know what I mean? And I was like, this is it. This is my shot. Cause I just needed in the room and I'd been trying for so long to get just in the room. And I kept being like, if I get in the room, I know I'm going to smash it, but I just can't get in. And then when I heard that I was getting in the room, I cried. So yeah, there was so much, there was so much riding on it emotionally for me because it was, you know, I always knew that it was going to be my first step. It was everything I'd kind of worked towards. My branding was kids telly. Everything was kids telly because that's what I wanted. So this was my shot and I knew this was it. And so when that call came, I was like sick to my stomach and I didn't expect it to come so early. So because it came first thing in the Monday morning, I thought it's a rejection. They wouldn't have decided that quick. Like there's no way they would have decided that quick. Um, and yeah, and then I had it. And my agent, bless him, he'd only known me <laughs> like three weeks. Now we're like mates. But before that, he didn't know <laughs> me. And I was just crying, like screaming. I really I was like, it. <laughs> I just kept being like, no, are you sure? Are you sure? And I was like, is there a way that they can take it back? Can they take it back? And he was like, it's very rare that they're going to take it back. Like they've decided like this is it. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I was shaking like a leaf. Um, I was crying my eyes out. I was, but I think the the moment for me that I remember the most is FaceTime with my mum and dad. So they were in, they were in uh, on holiday, sorry, and they were driving and they pulled over because I was like, and he's just, I, I've got I've got the result basically. And um I was on FaceTime, I just remember crying my eyes out. I was like, I've done it, I've actually done it. I like 
I was just in so much shock like I just weirdly it was one of them things I'd worked towards for so long but I hadn't really thought about actually it happening yeah. and I hadn't I hadn't thought about what how it would feel to, to actually achieve it and I was just like I was just in so much shock. I was like, I've actually done it. Can you believe it? And they were like, yeah, I can believe it. And I was like, I can't believe it. Um, so yeah, that's hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get that again either. And I kind of knew that. So I like held on to every feeling. Cause I was like, this is probably going to be the only time I feel that feeling. Cause it's the first one, you know, it's like the first big break. And I was like, I'm never going to feel that again. Worst bits. Gosh, um, worst bits. I would probably say I can't really think of like one individual instance, but I would say really grinding. And like, I think the worst bit for me was like I was doing like a sales job at the time, and I was getting up at like four thirty in the morning to be there for sex, and it, it was a lot. It was just like. And I think losing the heart and losing the the kind of flame. In fact, it actually makes me emotional thinking about it. It's like I think that would be the worst bit for me. The worst the worst bit of the journey for me was that really, really, really hard grind. I don't mind hard work, and I will do it, and I will go through it. But it's just that that really deep, deep grind where you feel like all's lost and you really can't do this anymore. And that's definitely the hardest bit for me. But I would, you know, I would let you do it all again just to have the highs. So not that my career is anywhere near over. I'm just started, but yeah, I really would. So as someone who has always been ambitious and motivated and driven, and they're probably all the same things in just different words. Um, <laughs> no. Do you, now that you've kind of achieved the goal, the original goal of presenting world, how do you feel now? Now that you're doing that, do you feel a sense of being lost? Because dream chasing can feel quite comfortable mm-hmm. when there's a dream because you're aiming towards something and then when you've achieved that it must feel a little bit like what What now yes you've achieved it yes you've got the high but it's a confusing time I imagine oh my gosh yes I have never probably felt as lost as I felt, I would probably say for the first, like maybe four months of doing Scrambled, I was just on a high, like the whole time. And then it kind of hit after that four months, I was so lost and I was the most lost I'd probably been in my entire life because like you say, I'd worked so hard for this one goal and I hadn't thought past that goal. Um, And that's the tough part about dream chasing for sure. Right now though, luckily I found a new goal and I'm kind of working towards that and I feel like I'm back on my path, but it took a while. I would probably say it took like a year and a pandemic doesn't help. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I'm just being real. It doesn't, it doesn't help. But um, yeah, I was, I was very lost for sure. And I wasn't lost as an individual. I was just lost like within my career in the sense that, which is really sad as well, don't you think? Cause it's like you work so hard for something. It's like, you should just enjoy it for it's for what it is. You know what I mean? But um you get addicted, you get addicted to the hustle, you get addicted to the hard work, you get addicted to the dream chasing. It's so addictive. It makes you feel alive. It makes you feel like you. Negative side of the dream chasing being the sense of being lost at times when you've achieved a certain goal. Are there any other negatives that you think relate to dream chasing on the flip side? You've mentioned really good things there, but is there any negatives? Um, I think 
sacrifice, I guess. Okay. That's maybe a ne- negative. I think, you know, it depends what your dream is, I suppose. But um, in a lot of cases, if it's a dream, chances are it's outside your comfort zone. It's outside, of, you're going to have to do things that you don't necessarily want to do or that make you feel uncomfortable or it ha- makes you grow. And so that's a negative. And I think that, but weirdly it's positive, but you just don't see it at the time. Um, I also think sacrifice, I've sacrificed a lot of time with my family, which for me is such, as a sacrifice, like um, friends, yeah. you miss, I've missed so many occasions. I've missed weddings, funerals. Um, yeah, I've missed a lot and I know I've missed a lot, but I, to me at the time, those weren't sacrifices because I was just so in that moment, but I guess so it, I guess it depends how you view it. Because for me, they weren't sacrifices. The only thing that's ever really felt like a sacrifice is time with my family. That's definitely. But that's just because logistically I am so far away from them. And before I just didn't have the finance to go up and down. And it, it was a bit different. But then weirdly, I also think it was my drive. So I think that would be the negative I would say about dream chasing. You're going to have to do stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's just such a positive person that even those negatives sounded good. Um, <laughs> dream chasing to me. Robin, <laughs> is there any last thoughts that you've got on this particular subject before we kind of close the chapter on this episode? I would say with dream chasing, it sounds really cliche, but no dream is actually too big. But I think the one reason why you would ever give up on a dream is because it feels too big. So for instance, say you want to get, I always have an A, B and C point system. So I have C where I want to end up in the long term. Then I go, okay, so if I want to get to C, what's B? And if I want to get to B, what's A? Because that's, I think, where just through the years of meeting different people, where people go wrong, like they don't have an A and a B. And that C can be so overwhelming, especially on a day that like, is you're not feeling yourself and things like that. So if you want to achieve a dream, you have to work out your A and your B because if you don't, it's you can do it. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of people out there that just have a C, but it is definitely an up, it's a definitely an uphill battle, I would say. So I would say in terms of dream chasing. And also as well, I'd say if anyone's sitting thinking, oh, I don't want to chase my dream because I can't do it. I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough or I always think I don't know if it's true but I always think if you have the dream then it's because you can achieve it so because people don't dream of things that they can't achieve really as a general rule because you tend to really only dream of things that you see and that that's why representation is obviously so important and things like that because you need to see it to believe it and I think that if you have a dream the chances are that you can achieve it like I don't dream to be an astronaut but I probably couldn't be an astronaut even if I tried do you know what I mean so like I don't dream of being that because it doesn't feel within certain parameters you know what I mean um so that's what I would say about dream chasing I hope that's useful (laughs) Robin thank you so much for coming on today I've really enjoyed back to you and I especially learned about the brothel that was a joy for me (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for having me and I hope that there are some dream chasers listening that are like yes let's do it Isn't she an absolute babe? 
I told you you'd love her, Robin Richford. Ladies and gentlemen, Robin, thank you so much for coming on. Um, as I mentioned there, I really do appreciate it, sharing your words of wisdom. Robin is absolutely wonderful. And if you want to see what she's up to, if you just search Robin, that's with a Y, Richford on the socials, you will find her. Her feed is always full of loads of colour because, of course, kids tv um i hope you've enjoyed this episode of the woman to woman podcast if you want to get in touch maybe you're listening thinking oh i'm amazing woman i want to get in touch i'm sure you are and i would love to hear from you so do get involved woman to woman at gmail.com you've been listening with me hope and as i said to you last week i'm here with you for the next 10 weeks so make sure that you you subscribe if you want to and i will see you here again next week where i'll be joined by another amazing woman 